Welcome to the SPU Voices podcast, where we tell personal stories with universal impact. I'm your host, Amanda Stubbert, and this is my producer, Kyle. Say hi, Kyle. Hi, Kyle. Today, we sat down with Annie Jameson. She's one of the founders of Eden Pour Salud, which is based out of Guatemala. They sell all natural wellness products that are handcrafted by local entrepreneurs to provide accessible income opportunities to people with disabilities throughout Guatemala. Annie graduated from SPU in 2014 with a degree in special education and has spent her entire career serving and advocating for people with disabilities, both at home and abroad. Annie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, let's start with what what led you to special education in the first place? What what a glorious and very difficult career. How how did you get there? <laughs> it's not so difficult. Um, I started volunteering with an organization in my hometown during high school that serves teens with disabilities. And I just felt a deep connectedness and an understanding. I just loved it. I felt really known and I felt like I really connected with the people I was working with. And then it just became clear to me that that is the umbrella of my career that I want to spend as much time with people with disabilities as I can in any in any format. And so I first began studying special education with an education focus and I went into teaching. And now I'm taking another a detour in my career, you could say. So what was that like for you in the classroom as a teacher? Sometimes being in the classroom is the greatest joy you can have. You know, you're just with all of these children and you're, you're playing and you're learning and it's so, so fun. Um, I personally was like the queen of field trips. I really love <laughs> active learning. Um, but also it was really, really challenging and the burnout is is real because I was in a school with um, students that had some really severe behavioral challenges and the administration in my school didn't know how to support me and so I didn't often know how to navigate challenges with my admin challenges with um, teaching the staff around me how to work with students with special needs mm-hmm. and at the same time teach my class so there were times when it was extremely difficult. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, just even as a parent, when you see your child not getting what they need, it's both heartbreaking and devastating and, you know, keep you up all night. And you times that times an entire classroom. I, I can imagine that you you would spend some sleepless nights. I did. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of sessions where I cried in my car. Um because you want everything for these children that you love and that's not possible in a bureaucracy system you know um but um i also really enjoyed my years teaching and i learned a lot from those experiences so 
Yeah, I can imagine. I I imagine that you probably have some experiences and field trips. I also love field trips (laughs) that, you know, that that were probably just some of the best memories ever. Let's, um, well, let's just dive into Guatemala. That's a long way from Seattle. How did you, how did you get there? Um, After my third year of teaching, there were some administrative changes in my school and I wanted to focus on um, improving my Spanish because I worked with about 30% of my students were Spanish speaking um, and their families were not English speakers. And so I took a short leave of absence to go study Spanish. And I found a few recommendations to schools in Guatemala. And so I went to Guatemala um, just for this short term, you know, um, leave. Uh, to go focus on Spanish. And while I was there, I got connected with a camp for teens and adults with disabilities. It's an, it was an overnight camp um, for about one week where people get to come from all over Guatemala and go water skiing and horseback riding and go to the beach. This camp is called Viamistad. It's a really beautiful and impressive organization. And I learned a lot about the need in Guatemala. People with disabilities are very isolated. People are in their house. They never leave. They don't have opportunities to go to school. There's no public at special education. People, there, there's no access and transportation if you have a wheelchair. So People are really shut away and isolated with no opportunities for growth and development, no socialization, no opportunities to develop their own skills or make friends, really outside of this camp. And um, so I got connected with Viamistad and I just felt something ignite, just just this joy, an absolute joy to be with people with disabilities, but just in community, just as a friend, and not as a teacher, and not as a person of authority. Um, It was real click. And so I extended my time there to stay for all three sessions of that Yamistad camp. And that was almost three years ago now. Um, And I had every intention of just returning to my job. But um, that's not how things shook out. Sometimes God has other plans for us. (laughs) (laughs) So let's, um, I just am curious about, so you were talking about how infrastructure or lack of infrastructure keeps people with disabilities locked away um, pretty seriously Mm -hmm. within Guatemala. Is, Is there a cultural barrier as well? That's hard to say. It's kind of hard to separate that from the fact that there are no opportunities. I know families that have um, a family member with disabilities and there is no shame. There is no shame and they're mm-hmm. they are advocating and they're doing everything they can to find opportunities for their family members. And I also know families that seem to have a lot of shame mm-hmm. and have chosen to keep their adult children hidden away. Um, So 
there may be a cultural aspect, then there may be a globalized shame in having a person with disabilities in your family. But I don't know if I can separate that from the honest fact that there's no resources and very few people in Guatemala have financial resources to hire a private truck or a private van to take someone with a wheelchair anywhere or to advocate, you know, for themselves to enter a restaurant that doesn't have a ramp or, you know, you have to have multiple people who can help lift the wheelchair and help people around. And people are working and or people are at home or people aren't leaving themselves because of lack of opportunities, lack of financial resources and lack of infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a hard place. Um, it's a hard place to live if you have a disability because there's just nothing for you. Yeah. So, so you're working at this camp, you're realizing that, uh, you may be there for a while and may not be returning to teaching as quickly as you thought. Oh, I didn't realize that. I, <laughs> I, I was bound and determined. Um, I finished the sessions at this camp and I returned back to the U.S. and I started um, subbing for a short time and then I found another teaching job um, and I went back to teaching for another year. So in sum, I taught with Seattle Public Schools for four years in special ed. But that whole next year, something just wasn't, something wasn't working. Um, I just, I, I just couldn't, I just couldn't settle in. And I was, I was working with an organization in Seattle that I really love called Casa Latina. I was volunteering. I was going to Spanish classes. I was just hanging out all the time. And I realized pretty quickly in this year that I just didn't feel like I was done with Latin America. But I also couldn't accept the fact that maybe God was calling me to live there. And so I finished this, I finished another year of teaching my apartment lease was up and I just decided it was a natural time to go again. And this time I decided I'll only go for six months. Um, and I'll just, you know, get it out of my system. Mm. And then I will come back, focus in and get back to teaching. Um, and that's what I did. I went for another six months and I was working with, the camp director of Yamistad and I was helping with, you know, planning and paperwork and fundraising. And um, I just had my own idea that I couldn't shake of starting a project that would support the needs of people with disabilities throughout the year. Not just not just this one month of camp, but something that something that people could have and focus on throughout the year. And I decided after these six months that I would give it a shot. And here we are. I'm still doing it. Yeah. So let's talk about Eden Poor Salute and how did that come to be? What was the origin of the organization itself? 
Um, well, I, I just had, you know, a light bulb. I had wanted for a long time to start a project that would offer people a social activity and at the same time, a work opportunity where people could earn money. And I just realized one day we could make wellness products using essential oils. Because if you use really high quality ingredients, you're going to have a really high quality product. And it's also very easy to make products with essential oils because you just have to count um, the drops of you know your oils and you just have to do some pretty basic simple measurements. And so I, I purchased the original materials myself and I went to Guatemala again. I had come home just for a short time. And I met up with my friend Jorge from this camp. And Jorge uses a wheelchair. He, he has cerebral palsy, which has paralyzed the left side of his body. So he mostly uses his right hand in modified sign language. So he was telling me, that he knows some people who have disabilities and we can go to their houses and invite them to do this project with us. <laughs> and it was, it was definitely like a grassroots start. Um, we went from house to house in various neighborhoods, knocking on doors, and I was presenting the project. Um, I also should mention that I am a co-founder of Eden with my current boyfriend who I met when I first went to Guatemala and um, his name is Rodolfo he's one of the co-founders and also my friend Jorge Jorge is our third co-founder of it in so the three of us were just knocking on doors and inviting people to start this project with us and a lot of people said no because they've never They've never heard of anything like this. They've never seen anything like this. And it was really hard to trust. Um, but we found four participants. And that was in October of 2019. So a little over a year ago. Between October and December, we started producing our products. Um, the entrepreneurs that we work with make everything. They follow the recipes. They partner up according to their own skills. Um, so, for example, my friend Jorge um, is very good at math, and so he will help count, but he struggles with fine motor skills because of his physical disability. So he would partner with a different entrepreneur, and they would, you know, work on the, you know, the drops of each ingredient, and he would tell them when to stop. And so each person is working with the skills that they have and they are making these products fully independently. They package everything. Um, and then they took them to all the store owners. We went to about eight stores and three stores accepted us and they put our products on the shelves and we had a pretty good turnout. We made some sales and everyone earned a profit. Um, the entrepreneurs that we work with receive 100% of the sales 
and then they reinvest a portion of that back into Eden por salud. And so that each of them is an equal partner in the project. Um, so we had pretty good success. And then in January of this year, we started our second round and we have gained some traction. And so four more families approached us and asked to join um, and sign up their family members. And so now we have eight entrepreneurs that we work with. We work with four women and four men aged 18 to 35. And some of the people that we work with have never attended, have never attended public school, have never gone to a special education class. Um, one of the women that we work with had never been with other people with disabilities prior to the Eden workshops. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so in coming together, we're creating a community that is just fun and joyful. We have dance parties, we have a good time. And there's so much joy and dignity in working towards a goal and getting back to your community and earning money to support your family. It sounds a lot like microfinancing, except that instead of all you needed was the money, you needed the money and the community. And it just, it just makes my heart so happy to picture all of your entre entrepreneurs working together and, and like you were saying, serving each other. Like I'll be the math for you. I'll be the hands for you. Yeah. Um, just what a beautiful picture of community. It is. It's really important that everyone gets to work in the way that they are gifted. Um, everyone has God-given talents and skills and work Work is a critical part of the human experience. Being able to work and give back to your community, give back to your family is, um, is really important for self-esteem. Yeah, and I think being on a, a part of a team, I think, is something that those of us who are regularly adapting, like we just take for granted the fact that we can jump in and I can use what I'm good at and you use what you're good at and we work together and we have that synergy I think that's, that's one of those sort of human rights that we really take for granted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, when we talk about labor inclusion, one of the challenges is that very rarely um, do we find jobs in the general workforce that are a perfect fit for someone with diverse abilities. Mm -hmm. And so what we are doing with Eden is we are creating the jobs to meet the person's abilities. We're going about it the opposite way. And we are finding that it's really successful. Well, Annie, it's been so great getting to know you and the great work that you're doing. Let me wrap up with what the last question we asked all of our guests if you could have all of us in the Seattle area wake up tomorrow and do one thing differently that was going to make the world a better place from your unique perspective, what would you have us do? I, I have been praying about this question because I was like, I don't, I don't know. And I'm not in any position to give advice. <laughs> but um, the only thing that I think I can say 
because if you have that thing that you haven't been, you haven't done, if you have that risk that you haven't taken, just do it. You know, take that risk, take that jump, take that plunge. I did. And I'm not like on the other side yet. I'm not making money off of this project. I'm not an expert in any way. <laughs> I'm not like a success story in the way that we're used to seeing, but it's still worth it. It's so fun and it's still full of joy. And so that's what I would say. If you have that thing in the back of your mind, just do it. Go for it. I love it. Go ahead and jump. You will be taught to fly. I love it. Well, let me end here, Annie, with a little prayer of blessing over you and what you do. May the Lord bless you and all you put your hand to. May the Lord be gracious to you and all who hear your story. May he bring unity to our community and peace to us all. Thanks, Annie. Loved hearing your story today. Have a good day.